Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Chats with Cody. I'm your host, Cody. Let's have a chat. All right. So before we get into our Redemption Football League here, I just want to give some really big, big news about the XFL. And it's announcing that The Rock, Dan, his ex-wife slash manager, which is weird, um, Danny Garcia, and the company known as Redbird, are now the official owners of the XFL. So, finally, Vince McMahon is no longer in charge of the XFL. And to that we say, woohoo! We'll have to see how it goes. I'm excited because The Rock is, of course, Dwayne Johnson, big, huge superstar, WWE superstar, slash um, Hollywood actor, definitely um, a big, big addition but let's not disinclude his ex-wife um, and manager, Danny Garcia. Yeah, that's a weird name, and it's interesting that um, it's interesting, to say the least, that she's still involved in his life. But okay, but yeah, she is the first female to own an actual league. Think about that for a minute. No other female has actually owned a professional football league. Or a sports league for that matter. So, thumbs up to her. Well done. So, obviously, that's pretty good news. Although, with the NFL, a lot of players are still optioning out the 2020 season. Most notably, though, the New England Patriots. Uh, they have the most as of this recording. They had eight, last I knew. But holy cow. The fact that a lot of them are jumping ship is really concerning to me. Obviously, they are seeing that there's something wrong here and that they think that COVID-19 is really going to be a pain. So, we're going to have to see how it plays out, folks. I don't know what's going to happen. Neither do you. But you know what? Let's proceed on. And let's hope and pray for an NFL season this year. Now, I did not plan a prediction thing, but actually I did. It was the NFC East. I will... Well, no, I did the NFC East last one. Huh. Well, I'm not going to worry about it right now. I may do the NFC North later on. I don't... Right now, it's a little bit concerning to me because I'm just... I'm hesitant to say stuff because... A lot of players are optioning out, so I do not know if NFL is going to cancel their season or not. So we're going to have to see. I know there's plenty of football players, though, that are waiting, just waiting at the bid to have a chance. So who knows? Maybe this will create equal opportunity. But anyway, all right, let's... Um, before we actually get into our episode today, I want to announce... That due to circumstances, um, I did the poll for the Birmingham, um, for Birmingham. And unfortunately, yeah, I end up having people saying that I should put the Stallions, the Vulcans, who were the original Americans, but they ended up, um, they end up, um, Closing down after half this halfway through the season. And 
The Birmingham Stallions, to be fair, were one of the most popular um, teams on the USFL. So finally, after some, uh, after some thought, I gave it reconsideration. And the Birmingham Stallions managed to be the second place team out of five. Now, the number one team that obviously won was the Birmingham Iron, who were destroying teams before I made the change. So, ultimately, the Stallions and the Irons won... Although, although I will say this, with the Stallions, um, had they not gotten it, the Americans probably would have won. Um, or maybe they wouldn't have. I don't know. The Iron, either way, were going to win. So, congratulations. Birmingham has two teams. So, we're going to proceed on, and this time we're not going to talk at all about Birmingham at all. We're not going to be talking about that. I so we're going to proceed on, and yeah, let's get to it. So for today's episode, I want to talk about a league that, honestly, a lot of people have forgotten, myself included. And I actually, um, they, were bare, they were on my radar, but I didn't really think about them until recently, um... Thanks to a video I watched while finishing up from work. So, I was coming back home because my workplace is about half an hour or so. And I was listening to this video. I cannot remember that who um, was the um, person doing it. But, I was listening to the downfall and history of the UFL. I think it's like the history and downfall of the UFL. And it's very interesting to know that even though they weren't a big organization, they actually had some credibility to them. And we're going to get into that today. So, this week's topic is about the UFL. And keep in mind, we will still do a poll to see which team will, whether any of the teams will represent or not. Now, right now I have about five to six. Two... About one or two of them are, well, one of them, at least I know, is a team that transferred and moved. So they're actually the same team. But I'm going to count them as two different entities in this case. So let's get right to it. So the UFL was founded by Bill Hambrit. Yeah. And and Tim Armstrong. This was in 2008. So they founded the organization. Obviously, they were looking at 21 different teams. They landed on four original teams. And those four teams, by the way, were the California Redwoods. They were the Florida Tuskers. They were the Las Vegas Motives, Locomotives, or as they say in the biz, um, Locos. <laughs> I don't know why. And the New York Centennials. Now, the first year was a tad bit problematic. It wasn't like the teams did terribly, or they weren't like... They, they sucked. Like, on the contrary, the... Game was pretty decent. 
However, there was a slight little problem. That slight little problem, you ask? Well, they ultimately had all four teams having the same exact colors as the logo of the league. They were green, blue, they were teal, they were light green, and white. Okay, like, I'm going to go on a little rant here. Why, why, why would your first season be four teams with the exact same color? It's stupid. It makes no sense. It's pale. It's boring. You can't tell the difference between any of the teams. Then again... This, not a lot of people cared because at first the league didn't really pick up. Despite having some really, really good coaches on there. You had the New York Giants' Jim Fossil. You had also the New Orleans Saints' Jim Haslett. You had also, too, Denny Green. Who, by the way, is a former Minnesota Viking head coach representing. Woo! Awesome guy. And then you had Mr. Ted Cottrell, who, by the way, only lasted one season. Yeah, he didn't do so well. So, unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. Is that they didn't look so good. However... Not to be dismayed, as in 2010, they finally decided to put their colors together. And so we had some very interesting colors. And by the, by the time that the league, the league started to really pick up, they picked up some deals that went really, really well. And despite playing in the fall, around the exact same time college and the NFL played, they still managed to get a small following. And they got players that were former NFL players. So they had some momentum going. And in 2010, 2011, they were actually doing pretty good for themselves. At last, financial troubles is what really sunk this organization. Unfortunately, the only commissioner that they had... Michael Haiju, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, got a lot of flack, and eventually he would have to resign. Mark Cuban, if that name doesn't sound familiar to you basketball um, fans there, actually loaned some money to help the Frank organization, and actually didn't get paid back, allegedly, so he actually filed a lawsuit. Um, Joe Theismann actually had an ownership in a team, and then he quietly um, backed out. Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's husband, was also part of the organization until he wasn't. Um, don't know why, but he ended up no longer owning the team, despite the Sacramento Mountain Lions, who were the California Redwoods, by the way. We'll get into that in a little bit here were actually one of the more successful teams, along with the locomotives. Eh, that's not the first time Nancy Pelosi's 
and her husband have done something stupid. Oh, come on! You were thinking the same thing! Don't tell me you weren't. Okay. I'm joking, obviously. Anyway, so, all joking aside, obviously still, you still had Bill Mayer as an owner, and unfortunately, it everyone by 2012 was starting to get away from the organization. They only played four games, and then they were done. And eventually, Danny Green, who would be coached three of the four years, actually sued because he didn't get... Because of financial compensation that he didn't get. Unfortunately for Danny Green, he would sadly die before he would see any of that money. So, unfortunately, that's a sad circumstances. And the sad part is, everybody else still had a lot of financial lawsuits. It was not as bad as the World Football League, as we had discussed before in a previous um, episode, but it was still pretty bad. So, what's that make the rest of the organizations? Well, let's actually talk about it. So, the first thing we're going to start off is the most successful of all these organizations, the Las Vegas Locomotives, or Locos, as they were called. Jim Fossil was the head coach, GM, and president of the team. For all four years that they played, they played in Sam Boyd Stadium, which is also the place where the University of Nevada of Las Vegas plays. And I do see a little bit of the Las Vegas, um, University of Nevada, Las Vegas look to them. As they had metallic silver, Locos red. That's a color. Okay. Black and white. Similar to the University of Nevada of Los Angeles. They were originally going to be a separate franchise, but then they merged with L.A. And in spite of L.A. being a more marketable um, place, although not by much, really, they end up just playing in Las Vegas. And all four years that they were there, they never moved once. They kept... They were the mainstay. And... They were the two. They were a two-time U, UFL champions, and both times they beat the Florida Tuskers. Now, eventually, they would lose on um, the third and final one to the Virginia Destroyers, but we'll get to them in a little bit. Um, notable players on this team include former Four Niners quarterback Tim Ratty, um, tight end George Weister. Eric Henderson, defensive end, and Teddy Lamal, who Leman, who was a, a linebacker for I believe Detroit. I'm gonna have to look that up again, but yes. So that was the or that was the locomotives, and so they were very successful. Now let's talk about the team that beat them. Now we're gonna get in more into this, but in the um. But before we talk about the Destroyers, let's talk about, let's talk about the Florida Tuskers first, because this is going to be very important to have to the story. So the Florida Tuskers were actually undefeated in the first year under Jim Haslett. 
and they did well. They lost, um, and they were five and three under him as well. So they were eleven and three. So they did well. Actually, they were six and zero with him, and then five and three with another coach. So the other coach, Jay Gruden. That's right, John Gruden's little brother, the one of the most successful head coaches of arena football. Also a really good quarterback in the arena football. And one of the most controversial Washington Redskins coaches that has ever coached. Yeah, you're not going to get the whole smoking weed and hookers uh, thing off your resume there, Jay. But it's alright though. I mean, they did pretty well. I mean, they had Brooks Bollinger who was a career backup, obviously. They had legendary kicker Matt Bryant. They had Patrick Chukwar, who was a Viking whose name I cannot pronounce. And they had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers MVP when they won the Super Bowl, Dexter Jackson. So they had some talent. Unfortunately, it was not enough as they ended up moving to Virginia Beach. And they were originally at the Citrus Bowl, and then they played at one other place. And then they moved to Virginia's Beach Sportsplex. Jay Gruden would stay, was going to stay on with the team, but then he resigned. And that left Marty Schottenheimer. That's right, that Marty Schottenheimer as the head coach. So instead of going with the pale um, whatever colors they had, they ended up being Cardinal Red, Navy Blue, and Gray. So basically what they did is they just add the red and kept it going. And they were 3 and 1 in um 2011 when they won the championship. And their last record would be 1 and 3. So they were 4 and 4. So for Florida Tuskers slash Virginia Destroyers, their grand total win-loss record would be 15 wins and 7 losses. Now, mind you, they did win the 2011 um, championship. So, they did end up still being the champions. They would be the last champions, but nonetheless the champions. Alright, let's talk about the Sacramento Mountain Lions. This team is where Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, um, actually owned. They were the California Redwoods for a year or two. And then they became the Sacramento Mountain Lions when they moved to San Jose. Now, funny story. They originally were licensed, possibly, to be the San, Fr- San Francisco Rockfish. What kind of name is Rockfish? So, what... <laughs> Okay, someone please explain to me what this is. Is it just some kind of catfish that's all crusty? What is it? I literally don't know. And they played in... Okay, alright. They played in AT&T Park as well as Spartan Stadium. Eventually, though, they would move to Hornet Stadium. And finally to Rayleigh Field. When they finally got rid of their... They were the green team. 
But when they finally got rid of their green, they were dark metallic gold, sand black, sand tan, sand black, sand dark gold. Yeah. They actually improved their colors. They actually looked really, really nice. A lot better than they did as the Redwoods. Just saying. And of course, Denny Green was part of the team. Now, he did bring in Dante Culpepper, his former um, Viking quarterback, who honestly, had it not been for injuries, might have actually been really successful. I think that he would be one of the few people that would secede in the modern era. Just saying. But yeah, they they did really well. Unfortunately, though, due to some controversial financial um, troubles, Dan Green ended up having to leave. And Turk Shinart. Sh- Shonart. Shonart. There we go. Sorry, pronunciations aren't my thing. Went one and three. Yeah, they just... They end up falling away. They did pretty decent. I mean, they were two and four, four and four, and then two and three. So, I mean, they were basically in the middle. I wish they could have been more successful just because Denny Green deserves so much credit that he doesn't get as a coach. But, alas, it is what it is. Now let's move on. The Hartford Colonials. Now, originally they were the New York Centennials. Wow. My goodness. And, boy, this organization was sad. They were sad. So they played in Giant Stadium, as well as James M. Stewart um, Stadium, in 2009. Eventually, they will land in Renschuler Field, 2009-2010. And this organization was supposed to continue, but it failed. So, Ted Cottrell gave the team its only, the only winless record ever in UFL history. 0-6. He was subsequently, obviously, fired. And Chris Palmer took over 3-5, and five, and then he left. And originally, Jerry Glenfield was supposed to take over. Unfortunately, yeah, finances just crushed Hartford. Thus, they never made it. Which is a real shame. Because, I mean, look at this roster that they had. They had Lorenzo Booker, former Vikings running back. Quentin Dems, a safety, a really good safety, mind you. Kevin J- Jones, a former Detroit Lions running back. Um, don't know this our guy. But they also had, are you ready for this? A guy who actually, the last few years, has regained some popularity. Josh McMahon. Josh McMahon played for these guys. That's huge. That's that's incredible to think about. Also, Scott Player played for a team, and you're ready for this last one. Simeon Rice, a former defensive end who is well known for being a hard hitter, was part of the team. 
This team was loaded with talent, and they couldn't make it work? By far, out of all of them. The team that is blue and metallic gold in the Hartford Colonials, by far is the most head-scratching out of all of them. They had all the tools to succeed. And they're, they end up 3-11 and for their record total. That's mind-blowing. And then finally, the only expansion franchise in the whole entire thing, the Omaha Nighthawks. I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I liked these looks. Um, So they were metallic silver. They were Omaha black and Omaha slate. In case if you don't know what Slate is, basically it's a dark, dark gray. From 2010 to 2012, the Nighthawks were in business. And they actually did decent. Um, so they played, so they had Jeff Jogzinski. Jeff Jog, I, I can't all pronounce that once. And they went 3-5, and five, which is in the middle. Then Joe Moglia, who also happened to be the CEO of um, TD, TIO or TDO Americana Bank something or another. He took over as a one-year head coach and won four. Then former, Ad, former Amsterdam Admirals, which by the way, we will get to them at some point. Very soon. Led them to a 2-2 two and two record before they closed. And I'm going to tell you right now. Some, if some of the players are missing on here, that's because I couldn't find a lot of information, oddly enough, about this organization. You would think. You would think. That if you are looking for an organization, if you're looking for a franchise, you would think you would find a lot more information. But no, the UFL quietly disappeared as much as quietly as it came. This organization had potential. But finances, and I'm going to be straight up honest here, some of the big problems were that half the people weren't able, half of the teams weren't able to actually get their name out there. Hardly anyone knew that they were actually able to play. In fact, quite frankly, it was really marketing and finances that killed the organization. And it's, it's a really, and the big moral of the story is, when it comes to stuff like this, it really shows how far teams can go down the drain. Even with all the potential in the world, you could still end up failing so miserably. And it's unfortunate, too, because I'll admit to you right up, straight up. I didn't know much about this organization. Had I, I probably would have at least supported one or two of the teams. I watched maybe part of a game, but 
went back when Mari Schottenheimer was the coach. But honestly, it was just marketing. Half the people didn't even know it existed. And unfortunately, that is it. There's not much left to the to say, but I will go as far as saying this. It just goes to show, moral of the story, if you want to succeed in this business, if marketing and having the right financial backers are critical. Why do you think I why do you think I believe that The Rock and Dan Garcia and Redbird might actually succeed in this case. It, because it's not just Vince McMahon and Oliver Luck running it. Now, mind you, if they bring Oliver Luck back, more power to them. But at this point right now, the main thing is just getting the word out there. And The Rock carries a little more of a positive vibe than Vince McMahon does. And here's why. Vince McMahon has been too controversial in a lot of his stuff. I mean, for some of you guys, I'm sure you'll remember the whole Trish Stratus um, barking like a dog and ugh, ugh, stuff on there. And yeah, where with The Rock, he has no controversy because he really hasn't been a controversial figure. At all, really. So, let's just keep this in mind. Be smart in what you invest. I'm Cody Tyler, and I will see you next time. And when we do, let's have a chat.